looking to upgrade your Jeep? Who is it, right? How would you like to get free gear to make those upgrades happen even faster? The Jeep Talk Show, the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast, is giving you, the listener, a chance to win big ticket items from brands you know, love, and trust. Want in on the action? We'll be giving away major Jeep gear from big name brands every month. This isn't going to be stickers, hats, and t-shirts. We're talking about serious gear that can change your Jeep build in a big way. So listen to the show every week and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss your opportunity to win the Jeep Talk Show's biggest giveaways ever. The Jeep Talk Show is the official Jeep podcast of Mr. Vanderquack. Keep listening for weekly updates about Mr. Vanderquack and his mission to help the children at St. Jude. Quack. Go to MrVanderquack.com. That's MRVanderquack.com. Quack. Quack, 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 quack. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Nixon Tire USA, we got you. Found out more about the tires that are on the 2021 Jeep Talk Show Gladiator, the Nixon Tire Rodian MTX at NixonTireUSA.com. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wimby. There will be body damage. I like making people laugh. That's It's good for my soul. Yeah, I don't think so. And I think that's a huge deal. So sit back. Strap in and brace yourself. Oh, you know, I don't know if you guys were. Uh, you, I, I apologize to the, the the lovely Zoom people that have uh, made this, uh, been planning a trip to Colorado for a, a few months now. They've actually been planning it on the Discord server. And uh, I guess I just wasn't paying attention to it because I wasn't going, you know, screw you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was invited. I just, uh, I just couldn't go, and uh, so I guess uh, I, I, we just hadn't re- responded to it. Uh, Chuck, Wendy, Josh, you guys were aware that the this event was uh, was going on, wasn't it? weren't you? I mean, it's it's all yeah. all Jeep talk show people. Yeah, and there's all kinds of was, Facebook posts, yeah. and you know you can follow them. It's beautiful scenery oh, too. Kind of jealous where they're going. It's not. Yeah. Wish wish I could have gone. You know, Larry uh, Jeeping Mo told me uh, just tonight because we were doing the Zoom meeting uh, 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 early. I was on the Zoom meeting early and uh, was talking to him. Larry's on his way back to Missouri, and uh, he was telling me how uh, on Black Bear Pass, and you guys may already know this, I just thought it was like, you know, very steep drop-offs, but basically just a trail. Uh, Larry says that they had to go down uh, the shelves that were three feet high. And Dang. he says only about, uh, he says just you get off the shelf and the length of the Jeep, you get about two feet to the thousand foot drop. <laughs> and That's I'm, intense. And I'm saying, oh, yeah, they camped in tents. Uh, but th- it was so funny because I figured the, the Gladiator wouldn't be able to make that. I mean, three foot drop. I don't have 40s or anything. So, and uh, he tells no, me that, that uh, Josh Downs. Josh Downs was able to do it in his XJ with the 30-inch the tires on it. So I'm going, oh, okay. So. Oh, it's possible. <laughs> it's all about the departure angle, though, and you don't have the departure angle of an XJ even on 30s. Yeah, the uh, I told uh, I told Larry that uh, I would be afraid of uh, getting uh, high centered on somebody like that, and he said, "Well, I, he goes, uh, Josh Downs was fine. He didn't get high centered, and uh, but he said he was a little concerned going down that. Well, I, actually, I think he said Duke was concerned. Uh, Larry's dog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's Duke. 
Duke was concerned that the the rear end was going to come over uh, overhead and flip. Oh gosh, <laughs> poor Duke. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, it was a lot of fun uh, for those folks. And uh, we'll have to go. Uh, Colorado is definitely a place that I'd, I'd really like to go. But I don't know about Black Bear Pass. Three foot drop. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, and you do have you do have a wheelbase that's about 36 inches longer than an XJ. So right. there's yeah. that, too. So well, the high centering aspect might actually be a real concern. Yeah. Well, he said you would just slide. I would just slide down. <laughs> <laughs> like like Josh Downs Like did. all the way down the mountain. I mean, there might yes. be some, some rolls in there, but, but yeah. <laughs> Just a few. Let's get it on tape, folks. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, Jeep or never driven anything but Jeeps, this show's for you. Chuck, Wendy, <laughs> let's think about that three-foot drop. My God. Chuck, Wendy, Josh, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about quackers. Well, you ready, Jeeper? Dropping four low. Let's go. I'm Josh. On this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, I've got more details about Jeep's big move to leave China. And as my grandfather used to say, the thought plickens. I also have a great story about two brothers who started a business serving the Jeep community. And once you hear it, you'll be saying, now why didn't I think of that? And you've undoubtedly heard about the Make-A-Wish Foundation. We'll find out what they have to do with a Jeep CJ7 in This Week in Jeep. And later in the show, just to piss off Chuck with more plastic, <laughs> I've got a must-have pick of the week for your Jeep for all you JK owners out there. Well, howdy, it's Wendy, and on this episode, I share a story of how using the wrong recovery equipment can be deadly. Hey, everyone, and this is Chuck, and I have a question for every listener out there, all three of you guys, and this is serious. I've been thinking about this all day. How many licks does it to the center of a Tootsie Roll Tootsie Pop? Three. And if you know, please, <laughs> if you know, please call in, and if you're the caller at 15, you might be the proud new owner of the 2022 JTS Gladiator. <laughs> a, little, a little star on that thing, JTS Gladiator, not asterisk, included. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm Tony. In this episode, I have a helpful safety tip when you're working under your Jeep. Mm. We'll see. Mm-hmm. See if Josh can shit on my point tonight. <laughs> No, I saw that you're going to call on me last, so I'll, I'll <laughs> keep my tongue bit. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's this week in Jeep, and this week in Jeep, uh, we're actually going to go back a little bit. Back in episode 646, released in the third week of July, I announced a longtime joint venture between the Chinese government-owned Guangzhou Automobile Group, or GAC, GAC, as I think I might call them, and Stellantis, Jeep's parent company. Now, Jeep just shut down its only factory in China and is pulling out of the country altogether, the reasons for which have been made public and amount to more or less to Stellantis wanting to take over operations of the venture with a higher stake than a 50% even split. It makes sense considering what Stellantis brings to the table, but the Chaicom-owned auto group was having none of it and so Stellantis backed out of what would have been a bad business deal had they continued to move forward. Well, China is all butthurt now, and this week has singled out Stellantis' CEO, Carlos Tavares, over his recent comments about the failed joint venture and the supposed broken trust, quote-unquote, between the two partners. Stellantis is a top 10 global automotive manufacturer, arguably now the fourth largest on the planet, and is the current iteration of Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, FCA, following a merger, I say takeover, by French automaker PSA Group. All that was finalized in early 2021, but before that merger, FCA signed a joint venture with the GAC Auto Group to produce its vehicles for their local markets overseas, including Jeeps. 
Now, although GAC Group is a top five automaker in China, its joint venture with Stellantis has struggled in recent years, a fact neither party is denying. The finger-pointing over failed Chinese Jeep production continues, according to the most recent chapter reported by Automotive News Europe. The report pointed out that Stellantis' CEO, Carlos Tavare, cited a growing risk of politicians meddling in automotive businesses in China during an earnings presentation last week. While Tavare has acknowledged a decreasing amount of Jeep sales in the Chinese market as reasoning for Stellantis' joint venture termination, he expanded by stating that the decision was also rooted in broken trust with the GAC Group simultaneously blaming an increase in Chinese policy that favors local auto brands. A fact we actually reported on in detail in episode 646, and a policy that seems to be extending throughout the automotive market and beyond. Now despite this, or maybe because of this, the jabs over the Chinese manufacturing of Jeeps have continued back and forth. But GAC Group is the latest to release a public statement about this, and this time they've singled out Stellantis' CEO Carlos Tavares. Now, GAC continues to blame Stellantis for the failed success of Jeep brand in China, going so far as to say Jeep didn't respect its customers in China and that there was a, that was the reason that the brand didn't do well. Jeep's parent company is blaming the politicians in China for meddling in the joint venture that was decades in the making, and the current policies the government is pushing doesn't help anything at all. Regardless of whose fault all of this is, the joint venture does not appear to be salvageable, and Chinese-made Jeeps will be discontinued. Well, boo-hoo. Moving forward, Stellantis has confirmed its plans, I reported on in July as being just rumors, to import fully electrified versions of its Jeep models for sale in China. Maybe this new forced rarity of Jeeps in the Chinese auto market will make them more sought after or something. I, I don't know, as all of this is how the, all this is going to play out, but on the surface, it does seem like a solid move by Jeep. Which side of the fence do you fall on the, with this topic? Give us a call, let us know. Hmm. What do you guys Very think? interesting. It's... You, yeah. Is this a good move by Jeep to pull out China of China? Do you think that they're you know, biting off their nose despite their face? What do you guys think about this? No, I, I think it's a good move. And I, I like uh, and respect Carlos for having to stand up to this because China has made all those changes. And they, you know, and how can they sit there and say, oh, you, you guys had bad, bad business. Really, China? <laughs> Come on, man. No. Yeah, if there's ever a country that can totally fuck everything up, it would be China. I mean, I mm -hmm. hate to say it like that, but a 50-50 split... Really? Jeep's going to take all the risk and they're going to split exactly. the reward with somebody that's just receiving it? I don't think so. That's bad yeah. business. Exactly. China just screwed it up. Screw those people. So did this have anything to do with Pelosi going to Taiwan? Because I'm, I'm thinking it, there may have been something going on. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, she, she, she had uh, Carlo, uh, Carlos Tavares on speed dial. <laughs> He's a Jeep uh, girl through and Nancy through. Nancy Pelosi is a new plastic Jeep owner. Didn't you know that, Tony? <laughs> that Nancy Pelosi is all about the plastic dash Jeeps. I don't <laughs> think she it. knows what she's the owner yeah. of. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. she doesn't no. care. She's gonna, it's something new. Allegedly. And it's, uh, anyway, <laughs> Josh always tells me, don't go political. I, it's, nope. it's just so hard to do. <laughs> Well, and especially with something like this, where you know its roots are are, are you know it's it's rooted in, in in politics. Ultimately, this this entire yeah, that's thing. That's true. Uh, so you know, right. I I trying to steer away from political opinions in this too much, but uh, I mean these are the facts of the matter as as they're coming out. I'm just giving them to you guys, sort of as I'm getting them and and going through everything. So. Um, again, I don't, I'm sure how all this is going to play out, um, and we're going to see what you know what happens with Jeep trying to import, uh, um, or I should say export from here, uh, electric-only Jeeps into China without having a, a dealership, a parts network, or even a dealer net or uh, a manufacturing network over there. So 
it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out and of course the long term of this and who knows i mean maybe 10 years from now um everything's going to be completely to the wayside and there will be a new joint venture that's completely different than what they had on the paper before so we'll see yeah it doesn't so, matter it doesn't really matter who's involved bad business is bad business i mean it could be you know exactly and i don't know australia jeep in india jeep in nigeria it does any areas right it doesn't really matter it doesn't matter that it's just china it's just bad business yeah, it's got nothing to do with the country itself or, or the people or even the politicians. It's like you said, it's, it's just bad business. Correct. It is what it is. And, right. and, and Jeep, I think, at least in my opinion, is making a good, a good uh, business decision in the way that they're moving forward with this. And I don't mean to pick on the electrification of, uh, of Jeeps or just the electrification uh, at, all, at all, but that's kind of the point that we make here repeatedly is electric vehicles is just bad business. It's something that's being forced Whenever it's the the technology is not ready yet, and and I know there's people out there to say, well, yeah, but you have to push it uh, before the technology gets there. That's that's how things are done. No, actually, they come up with a way of doing things uh, that is acceptable and are, are better than what is currently going on, or at least almost as good, and then push the technology forward, uh, and it gets better and better uh, as people make more money at that's it. That's what that's what free commerce is. Right. You're not going to push something that's shitty. They're gonna they're gonna force them to get better so they buy your product, right? If I'm a really shitty rancher, no one's gonna buy my crap. But if I'm really good at it, people are gonna say, "Hey, I want that beef. It tastes good," right? But it's, well, and I've always said the commerce. What if the government got behind it and said, "No, you need to buy from Chuck. Chuck has has been beaten down over all these years of his life, and he can no longer go to the Rubicon every day like he used to be able to do. <laughs> so you need to buy cows from Chuck. I, I, I mean, that's kind of what we're seeing. Uh, you know, I don't I've, see I've a problem for, with that. For, yeah, right. <laughs> I, you know, I said for years that you know, if the government sold ice, we would all still have ice boxes, and refrigerators never would have came to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Anyway, political. Sorry. Yep. All right. So, what is the hard top hotel? Damn it. Switching topics here a little <laughs> bit. Have, have you guys heard about this? The hard top. I hotel? have it. No. I'm no. Curious. Is this euphemism? We've all heard of the Hard Rock Hotel. Is this and, on and, that you know, Those chains of restaurants and, and bars and stuff <laughs> yes. like that. But if you, you could drive around the Bay State area of Massachusetts, it's clear that Jeep Wranglers are quite popular over there. But the arrival of warmer weather brings about a dreaded task for some of the Wrangler owners in that area, switching out the hard top for the soft top. Now, Ryan and Colin Henry both own Jeep Wranglers, and they understand the, Jeep's, the, the, the Jeep-specific struggle and decided to help others facing the same battle. After a couple of years of having to team up to remove their own hardtops and then storing them in their parents' barn halfway across <laughs> the state, all the way until winter, well, they had pretty much had enough. Their company is called Hardtop Hotel, and they will swap out the Wrangler hard and soft tops for any local Jeep owner and even store the hardtop during the summer months for the Jeeper in their local warehouse. For most homeowners with ample driveway space, it may take as much as one to two hours to swap out a hardtop for a softtop, especially if they only do it once a year. And forget trying to do it by yourself. Hardtops weigh about as much as uh, 150 pounds or so, and they're not exactly easy to pull off the Jeep without a hoist of some kind or at least another person. And as I say, as I say that, I'm sure there are some of you out there going oh, like, yeah. Shh. A real man. Furthermore, <laughs> I do it by myself all the time. I'm sure you do. These two brothers have the process down to about 25 to 30 minutes or so, depending on the year of the Jeep. But you can't do it in that time. Initially, their business was set up in the downtown area. As walking down the Bay City of Boston, one will see plenty of Jeep Wranglers at every corner. Well, that and city living and ample storage space are not usually synonymous with one another. 
However, it became clear very quickly that the business was in the suburbs. Now in Tewksbury, I want to say Twerksbury anytime I see that town name, but <laughs> anyway, they are swapping out Jeep tops at a rate of about 20 to 25 a day. You think wow. you could swap out your Jeep top 20 times in one day? Probably not. Tops are being stored either at their on-site warehouse or via any number of available solutions at the customer's own house. Having both on-site and mobile services, the two brothers who created Hardtop Hotel have a whole team of Jeep-savvy technicians now that can come to you or handle same-day swaps at their facility. Business is good for the Hardtop Hotel, too, with their 2022 season 97% booked out as the, at the time of this recording. And storage spots for the 2023 season are very quickly filling up as well. Wow. Oh, and if all you have is a hardtop for your Jeep and that's that's it, well, the Hardtop Hotel even has a limited number of rental yep. soft tops that you can lease for the summer season. All and if you're in the market for a new soft top, well, they invite you to have it drop shipped to their location where they will prep it oh, or install and cool. set up a time that's convenient for you to have it oh installed. Oh, my gosh. It's a fantastic business model, if you ask me, and they provide a very well-needed and wanted service to the Jeep community in Massachusetts. Now, who knows? Maybe with the with continued success, you'll see a hardtop hotel in your area very soon. If you'd like to learn more about this company, what they do, how it works, and what their pricing is like, and all of that good stuff, how to get a hold of them even, we're going to have a link to their website in the show notes for this episode at jeeptalkshow.com. So I'm think yeah it really is I'm thinking you know there's a lot of women that really enjoy the Jeep Wranglers yeah and there's a lot of women that don't even want to think about uh, taking the hard top off and putting the soft top on so this is this is a perfect solution uh, for women and men with uh, with uh, uh, man buns so it is really uh, really cool I mean how many you know RVs have you seen driving down the road with a Jeep behind it and yep. you know you got a blue-haired granny behind the wheel in that 32 foot RV you know up there it's just like holy crap they All really right, should let grandma stuff, they really you know? should let grandma ride in the RV and not in the the Jeep tow vehicle though I, you know this is wrong <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm thinking think I'm thinking you know the older folks as well and, what was that Chuck do you think that if I started this here in Kansas, I can just put all the hard tops in a row down the barbed wire fence and they can come get them when they're needing them afterwards? <laughs> I wanna, yeah. this is brilliant. It's really this a great genius. idea. Yeah. I, you know, I'm wondering if you can slip the, 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 the hat uh, check guy a five and, and get an upgraded top, you know, where you can maybe get one with a better tint or uh, no, a I different came in color. Here or, and my top was black, but I see that maroon match. one over there that's the yeah, exact same I color. I want to switch it out. Do you mind if I just. Here's an extra 20. Yeah. I can, you know, that would be really, get really ugly uh, because you would have to have some sort of way of managing who, who what belongs to who. And and you have to be damn sure you get you had a backup and offsite you know and everything it's, else. It's probably just like when you take your clothes in to get them dry clean. They give you a ticket, it's a number, it hangs on this little rack, and it gets. Sl- I can just see oh, like you know the cool. movie the doors, tops. doors. All, yeah. so, all, all, the all being swung be, around like the clothes. Yes, it'd be awesome. <laughs> it, all on a conveyor, and they it'd go. It'd be around. like Monster yeah. Inc. Instead of yes. doors, it's uh, Jeep it's tops. Tops. <laughs> tops. I like it. <laughs> You should do this, Chuck. This is a great business idea for you. Hell, I'm I'm trying to get this going out here in the exactly. in the PDX area. So I, you know, hey, yep. this this is just you, such Josh, a cool idea. It's one of those things. Why you know? Why didn't I think of this first? Yep, I agree. And Chuck, great idea. And Chuck, hard tops is already hard top hotels already taken. So why don't you just make yours hard.com? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
and you get Mark, all kinds of business. Got it. Writing that down. Yeah. How do I spell write that, that down? Would you? <laughs> and and moving right along to the next topic, Josh. Oh, you know what you got into, Wendy. <laughs> I know. Darn it. <laughs> no, but seriously though, uh, how many of you have heard of Make a Wish Foundation? Mm-hmm. Yep. It, is that the one where you order yeah. the the jack stands and they come back and they're only like a, a, a inch and a half high? No. Wish dot com. That, that that's wish.com not make a wish foundation oh but okay close, My I'll, mistake. I'll, give you, I'll give you an a for effort the word was in there so same word was no, in there <laughs> the uh the make a wish foundation uh they they work with you know kids that are terminally ill and and don't have much time left and and they they you know spider-man will come and visit you you know or you know you get to go oh, to disneyland and they'll shut down the entire park just for you uh type of thing you know these are these are these are I'm gonna just gonna say it. End of life type of wishes for children. You know they they've they've got a terminal illness. They've been given six weeks to live. What do you want to do? What is your wish? And this is what the Make a Wish Foundation does. And they're just an awesome, awesome uh, charity. And they just do amazing things. Well, this kid at just 19 years old, his name's Jasper. He has a talent for vehicle restoration and a heart for community. Definitely, Jasper Hall Hall Hallford is his name. Hallford. There we go. Uh, recently completed the restoration of his own Jeep CJ7 and decided to dedicate the next restoration project to granting life-changing wishes to children with critical illness. In comes the Wish Jeep. And he started all this at 16 years old. And instead of using COVID-19 shutdowns as a break like other kids did, his, uh, his age may have done, for the past two-plus years, Jasper has used the time to work on what is affectionately being called the Wish Jeep. He restored his own CJ7 as a freshman in high school, and when the pandemic began, he still had the husk of a second Jeep that he had bought for parts. He thought he'd start the rebuild and eventually sell the vehicle on Craigslist, but something about the Make-A-Wish Foundation spoke to him. And the Make-A-Wish Foundation fulfills wishes for children with critical illnesses. Now, during the pandemic, the nonprofit put wishes on hold and asked donors to send in messages of hope instead. Videos and letters poured in from celebrities and wish kids, and Halford was one of the millions that saw the campaign. He reached out to the Make-A-Wish chapter in Northern California and Nevada, and with information of how to donate a car to the foundation, Halford was sold. Cobbling together the Wish Jeep was no small task either, though, with less work with less to work with than the prior build, and uh, and he knew that he couldn't do it alone either. The Wish Jeep quickly turned uh, into a community effort. Jasper's first sponsors was a small powder coating shop in West Sacramento, just outside of his hometown of Pleasant Grove, California. Les Schwab put tires on the Jeep, and Niesel's Collision gave it a bright blue Make-A-Wish paint job. Other sponsors donated parts and labor. Virtually every single nut, bolt, and part on this Jeep has been touched and gone over by any number of people. Jasper himself even made a big sacrifice for the project, cannibalizing several parts off of his own Jeep to make this Jeep come to life. The Wish Jeep is just a absolutely pristine. Dean 1984 CJ7, painted in the Make-A-Wish Foundation's trademark blue color and has an original CJ7 white hardtop. The interior is all brand new, brand spanking new. ACC luxury carpet kit and black best top uh, Trailmax Pro seats. It sits on a two and a half inch Tough Country Easy Ride lift kit and 31 inch AT open range tires wrapped around original white CJ rims. Up front, it has a nice little worn rock crawler winch bumper loaded with a 12K winch, KC auxiliary lights, and recovery points. The rear is equipped with a simple low-profile steel bumper and the OEM tire carrier with a spare being covered by a custom Wish Jeep tire cover. 
Both axles have been completely gone through and have eaten true track lockers and chromoly axle shafts. Wow. It has the 4.2 liter inline six completely rebuilt top to bottom, of course, and a high flow four liter head with fuel injection on it. The engine exhales through a custom two and a half inch exhaust and a Dynamax muffler. Now, the goal, at a minimum, is to get the Jeep to sell for $30,000, with all proceeds going to granting wishes to children with critical illnesses through Make-A-Wish Foundation. But Jasper thinks others were going to see the great impact this Jeep could have on the lives of multiple children in need, and that will help it go for a lot more. The Jeep is currently being displayed at the Reno Spark Convention Center in Reno, Nevada, and is scheduled to be auctioned off at 3.15 the afternoon of Friday, August 5th, for the annual Hot August Nights Collector Car Auction. Now, I, I know some of you are doing the math and looking at your calendar right now, and I know news like this and stories like this generally don't get a lot of notice outside the circles they're created in. Didn't give you a lot of time here. Actually, things have already kind of happened, but I enjoy sharing this stuff with you guys nonetheless in this story of hope and essentially what this Jeep has the potential of doing for children in need. It's a beautiful Jeep. Oh, I hope they get more than that 30000 Somebody's going to donate quite a bit of money for that cause. Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. It's now, uh, as of right now, obviously th- the auction has already happened. This I- Jeep has sold. I don't know what it has sold for. We'll find that out. I should hopefully have an update for you guys uh, in the next couple episodes of Jeep Talk Show, and I can get that uh, get that figure out to you. Son of a bitch. I was going to freaking <laughs> throw some money down. Really? It's already sold? Yes, yeah, sir. I'm serious. Damn it, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful rig, isn't it? I have to buy <laughs> it is. It is very. You already very have beautiful. a CJ7, the, the don't you? A hole in me is like, I yeah. Well, I gave that one away, so I need to get another one. Status uh, yeah, is I sold. Gave my CJ7. Okay. Yeah, I'm just yeah, looking to see is, if they have a dollar amount here. No, they they haven't listed it. Uh, that may or may not be public information. I'll I'll see what I can't do through my channels and and see what kind of uh, oh they got I can't get. If nothing else, just because you yeah. would like to know because what the kids uh, what the Wish Foundation and how much money they're going to get. I think it's going to be more than thirty thousand. I, I would I agree. Really, I agree do. with you, Tony. Yep. I, I hope so too. And and yeah, being I, as it is, is is being sold at a, a hot August nights show. A collector car auction. This yes. is definitely one of those collector vehicles, you know. I, I mean, but it's a Jeep, and it's kind of one of those niche vehicles. A Jeep isn't for everybody, but, you know, if you've got deep pockets and you even remotely like Jeeps or, you know, vintage vehicles, there's a chance this thing could be going for more than 30000 Now, what's your average CJ7 going for nowadays? Probably oh, I- right around ten. No, I think it'd be more than that. I think you're, I think you're looking closer yeah, to that thirty. Uh, no, not that much. No, I mean a nice 20? clean CJ7 will probably run you about twelve to fifteen. Oh, okay. Uh, this is an eighty-four, yeah. which is a wide. This is an eighty-four, which is a wide track. Uh, it still has the inline six in it, which is actually more desirable. It'll have the um, T one seventy six four speed in it and the Dana three hundred if he kept it stock, which more than likely he did. It's not the stock color, which is fine, uh, right. but everything else being so so stock. Um, I've I used to go to the hot August nights uh, every year. Um, there's going to be a lot of collectors that would look at this and easily donate that much money for a Jeep like this. So I, mean, I, I, would, I right, right so now, I just looked on, it up, guys. It went for forty thousand dollars. I told you. 
Oh, outstanding. I was going to say, like, on eBay Motors right now, an a, a, a all-original 1979 CJ7 with only 49,000 original miles on it has got a listing for 25,000. Yeah. I was thinking no, that 30 the average was close. Price is, I mean, you know, I'm and seeing this a lot has of been bu- redone. So and that's, that's another reason why. Yeah, that's another reason yeah. why. So just so you know, I don't think you read this in, 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 your, in your story, Josh. It has a rebuilt Borg Warner T5 five-speed transmission. Dana 300 transfer case with yeah. four to one gears. Was that Chuck? Oh, he's got a four to one kit. Yeah, he's got the four to one kit in it. That's yep. nice. Yep. yep. Yeah, I, there's a whole list of specs on this, and I didn't want to go through everything. I just kind of wanted to give you guys an idea of just how much work has gone into this Jeep and just how much it's been gone through and updated mm-hmm. and refreshed and rebuilt and, and everything. It is, for all intents and purposes, a brand spanking new Jeep, but yeah. it is a CJ7. But it does have fuel injection, a high flow four liter uh, intake, you know, all, all that sort of stuff. I mean, this has been modernized to a certain extent. This is turnkey. I mean, you know, something oh, like this obviously yeah. is, going, is going to take tens of thousands of dollars. So in all uh, reality, work and labor to it, do. In but. all reality, yeah, in all reality, this is a round headlight YJ because it's got the it's got the wide axles. The YJ and the CJ have the same tub. The YJ had fuel injection. The CJ had a had a um, carburetor. So this this young man has made an upgraded CJ just like a YJ. This is go. just neater. Oh, no. and it has thirty five inch tires neat. on it too. That uh, that would be Chuck approved. <laughs> uh, I don't think it has thirty fives. <laughs> wait, wait for no, Chuck to react matter. first. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm looking at it's thirty ones. Yeah. Chuck triggered tonight on Fox. <laughs> so, Jeeper, what do you think about this story or any one of our stories? If you've got a response to this uh, group of uh, This Week in Jeep stories or pretty much anything that you've heard on the show, well, by all means, let us know what you have to say. We love interaction with our listeners. Uh, you can reach to, uh, reach out to us by phone or by email, any number of ways to get a hold of the Jeep Talk Show. Uh, head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out all the different ways that you can interact with us. So I'm just going to mention my uh, my birthday is coming up in September. Anybody wants Nobody to get cares. me a, a CJ, a 1978 CJ, uh, that, that'd be great. Hey, so, after 10 years of trying to publicly, uh, you know, do birthday stuff for you, you've poo-pooed me for a decade oh, on your yeah. birthday. You're and not I'll, getting shit. And I'll poo-poo yeah, you this gosh. year, too. <laughs> gosh, it's his 70th, man. This is a big deal. So, so Chuck, if, quarters of a century, yeah. So, Chuck, if I was going to get a, a 1978 CJ, because I, I think that uh, in a recent interview that we published, uh, I was told there was a couple of them out in '78. Uh, what was it, CJ five and seven? I think. Oh yeah. Which Which one would I want uh, yep. b- between those two? Uh, say Say that again, Tony. Which one would I want for the 1978 year model? Would I want a CJ five or a CJ seven? I don't know the difference between them. Uh, the CJ5 has got the narrower doors. The CJ7 is just the wider doors, but everything else is the same. It's going to be a oh. narrow track, transmission, transfer case, motor, front, rear end. Everything's going to be the same. And the narrow track is like yep. yours, which well, was yeah. which was easier to go through some of the trails, especially that, that rock thing that was sticking out uh, on the trail. You were right. able to go through that very easily. So uh, other than flipping yeah. over, it's it, it's handy. <laughs> well, if it's so narrow the track. CJ, the CJ5 is a lot more maneuverable. The CJ5 is a is a far superior rig to go wheeling in when you start getting to that size. Yep. Oh, okay. But so you don't have leg. So, you don't have any leg room. 
so better than the the CJ7 then. Okay, well good to know. Uh so I'm I'm not going to get one, but uh, I was just kind of curious. I think you 78 never know. I think 78 would be a fun year to have. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Oh, you most certainly are, you lucky jeeper, you. And, well, we've got something for all flavors of off-roaders at the 4x4 Radio Network. So be sure to tell your friends. We've got the On the Trail podcast. We've got Trail Chasers. The Center Steer podcast is there. The world-famous 4x4 podcast as well. And, of course, the Jeep Talk Show. Lots of great off-road shows. It's all for free as well. It's all in one place. Just go to the number 4, the letter X, the number 4, radionetwork.com. That's 4x4, radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. Oh, I don't think I told you about this, Josh, and I don't think Dan would mind me mentioning it. Uh, he reached out to me from uh, South Korea because it's where he's currently stationed. He's uh, in South Korea now. Yeah, he's Good uh, for, God, that man is all over the globe. Well, you know how the army does. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, he told me that uh, they're going to be leaving South Korea next summer and uh, moving. I think it was Fort Hood in Texas. Oh, does that sound oh right? yeah. So yeah. coming to Texas, and he's going to be very close uh, to uh, Marble Falls, Hidden uh, Falls Adventure Park. So uh, I, I actually might get an opportunity to go wheeling with Dan and actually meet him in person, which I never have. Uh, and we're talking about Dan from the four by four, the four by four Yeah, you've known him longer than I've than well, I think you knew him before you and I knew each other. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I've actually met Dan. Yeah, that's right. Because he was, uh, that, uh, I think that's when he was on his way to Alaska, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, he was uh, on his way moving the whole family to Alaska. And uh, and he uh, made a, a five-minute detour, to, or I should say he made a, a lot bigger detour than that, but to give me five minutes of his time to uh, to just shake hands. Yeah, he was just uh, screaming at his phone, saying, it wasn't five minutes, damn it. <laughs> it was a little bit off the beaten path from where he was headed but uh but nonetheless uh yeah it was about a 20 30 minute uh jaunt for him outside of uh where he was going so it worked out and uh and we got a chance to spend a few minutes and and talk jeep and and press the flesh and you know all that sort of stuff so yeah that was that was great i, I remember that day uh very vividly mm-hmm. well and i was uh, i'm not sure if I, if I got it out or not but the uh dan is the uh, the main guy at the four by four podcast and uh, one of the uh, uh, people in the 4x4 Radio Network, not one of the shows in the 4x4 Radio Network. And, and it all depends on what his schedule's like with the Army, of course. But hopefully, uh, if we uh, have another event uh, after Dan has arrived, I don't know what part of the summer he's talking about, but uh, maybe he can come out to a, a Jeep Talk Show event uh, for that'd us. Be, with that'd us. be awesome. Yeah, it really would. That'd be really cool. What? Where's the noob? Noob! 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 Hey, noobie! Noobie! Noob Nugget. It's time for Noobie Nuggets. Well, this story is not for the faint of heart, but the lesson is invaluable. Now, I saw a Facebook post about a family that was out enjoying all the mud and rain with their Ford Super Duty truck in Kingman, Arizona. The story went on to share how the driver got stuck in the mud and reached out to his friend for help. Now, the friend has lots of off-roading experience and thought this would be a simple tug out of the mud. He used what he had on board at the time. He uh, stretched a chain across both factory recovery points and a 3-inch static heavy-duty tow strap and a drop-down hitch and a 2-inch ball on the back of his 4x4 truck. The first attempts failed to move the stuck truck, and the second attempt actually broke the chain. The strap was then connected to one of the front tow points, again, Nothing was moving, so the friend backed his truck up a few feet to get a better start, and it was too much for the ball drop hitch, and it ripped a portion of the hitch off, and it flew straight through the windshield, into the driver's seat, 
where the driver was sitting, ending his life instantly in front of his wife and kids. This is oh, such geez. a tragic story. I feel for the family just out having fun, and I feel for the friend who had the correct equipment, just not on board at the time. Now, I share this story because you may have acquired recovery gear as you wheel and get more experience. But if you're not sure how to use them or which item to use for the recovery, then don't offer to help. You may be the one trying to help someone else like this friend. Just know that tow balls and or hitches are not recovery points. Jeeps have recovery points. They usually have D-rings attached to them and are attached to the frame. This makes them strong and is designed to help pull or tug someone out if needed. Now, I realize the story is about a truck that got stuck, but it's a reminder to all of us experienced or new that some recovery situations need different equipment. And knowing how to use them is the crucial link. Now, lucky for our listeners, we have covered all kinds of topics on recovery and recovery gear. Now, in my Newbie Nuggets episodes alone, like 434, I list safety tips when winching. And in episode 462, I talk about using a high lift jack. And in episode 473, I cover snatch blocks for recoveries. Now, Josh has covered all sorts of recovery gear and suggestions over the years. The Jeep Talk Show is huge on promoting safety when operating the gear as well. The bottom line is you need to understand how to use the gear you have. Hopefully, you've bought the most trail-rated possible gear and someone has shown you how to properly use it. Now, as a newbie, I learned from experienced mentors on how to use the gear, and I even got certified with winch operations and safety. There are courses and people in your area who can teach you the proper way to use the gear. At Trails 411, we offer recovery class specifically to learn when and how to use your recovery gear. And if you're not in Southern California, I'm sure you can find a course to take. It's great to have the gear, but please don't use it if you aren't sure how to. I'm sad for both of these families and how their lives have been changed forever. Many, many different Facebook sites and pages have used this story and photos as a reminder and teaching point to help others. I wanted to share this with you, the newbies, and remind you that just because you saw a recovery on YouTube or Facebook, it's not as simple as it may look. Now, I do have some pictures of the stuck truck and where the tow hitch broke in the show notes. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com, look for episode four. Uh, what episode number are we on? It's five, 654. Three. Oh my gosh. And it's a really good visual to never use a tow hitch as a recovery point. For us Jeepers who always want to help, we need to make sure we have the right gear and know how to use it. So coming up next week, I will review the different types of recovery gear and how and when it should be used. So guys, do you have any comments you want to add to this? I mean, I know it's such a sad story, but man, is it a great lesson to learn. Yeah, I saw this uh, this story got a kind of a thirty thousand foot flyover of uh, of kind of uh, the setup and what had happened. I didn't know that there were spectators and and stuff. I I, I honestly didn't know the guy had even lost his life. I knew that there was injuries involved, uh, but I didn't I didn't know that there was a fatality. Uh, yes. So it, I mean, just a tragic end nonetheless. And and when I'm I'm get into this and I'm looking, I was just like, no man. I mean, go home and get the right stuff. Yes. I mean, I get, I maybe understanding, okay, we'll give it a shot and didn't mm -hmm. work. And, and it's okay that we, we're just not set up for this right now. I'm not going to try this because there's so many things that can go wrong. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to begin to try and start judging or, or, you know, a you uh, armchair, armchair quarterbacking, stuff like that. And I'm not, y you can't, what's done mm -hmm. is done. 
Um, yep. and, and I can only imagine how much regret there, there is on, on all sides here, um, uh, involved around this and, and wishing that they could have done things differently and all, all that sort of stuff. And, and so, um, it, it's, it's one of those things to where, uh, you know, there's not much to say about this. I mean, it's, it is, it's just tragic and you, your, your heart goes out to people, but you know, you do have to look at this as a learning experience mm-hmm. and, and, and as, a, as an example of what not to do. Yeah. And, and, you know, so I, I just, I, I wish I could have a positive spin on this uh, or anything, but, you know, this, it, this is one of those things where it's just a learning lesson. And unfortunately it, it, it came at the, uh, at the ultimate price. Well, I'll give well, you, I'll give you a positive spin on this. Uh, and I think I'll, I think this is a, a safe way of, of saying this. Uh, the, the man, the, the father, the family uh, man was the one that took the brunt of this accident and not his wife or his kids. Uh, I mean, it's it's a tragedy, but as a, yep. a father, that's exactly, if somebody's going to die, that's exactly the way you want it to play out. Yeah, I, I suppose yeah. you're right. So I the, guess. So I, I don't know. No, no, I, I'm just saying, if you want to put a positive spin on it, I'm, I'm sure the, the guy is glad it happened that way because it, it went straight into the driver's window. It, it could have gone into mm-hmm. the passenger's window. It could have. Yeah. So I, I did a quick look up while you were uh, d- doing this uh, this story, uh, Wendy, and I see, and I don't know what I don't know nothing about no winches and and uh, and, and uh, trailering things, <laughs> hauling things, but a class five commercial duty winch uh, or hitch, I should say, has a uh, a, a gross uh, towing weight of eighteen thousand to twenty thousand pounds. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, and, and Chuck, you can correct me on this, um, I think that what people don't understand is, is that if you look at the vehicle and you think, oh, well, this vehicle isn't 20,000 pounds, so I should be able to pull it. Well, that the amount of gross weight increases depending on the, 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 how, fast you're, how, yeah, how fast you're moving and the weight of the vehicle that you're trying to tow. So it can exceed that eighteen to 20,000 pounds very, very quickly. And I think that's what happened here. And I think it's really great wow. from the picture that you're oh. seeing uh, that, the, you, that you gave us, Wendy, is the, the pin that holds the two-inch receiver is still there. It wasn't the exactly. pin that broke. It's, yep. the, it's the two-inch square tubing that literally ripped in half. And this looks like it's a drop hitch. So yep. there was going to be uh, Significant. A, yeah, a towing, I mean, a torque on that thing to pull so, it apart sheer forces yes but yeah yeah, yeah and i you know i think it's it's a very yeah, tragic so situation a- but i also wanted to make sure that the newbies because we all we're all started off new somewhere and you do get into situations where you're wheeling with other people and you see their kind of recovery gear but if nobody's taking the time to teach you how right. to use that gear proper this situation could happen to anybody. And you guys, if you've been listening with me long enough, you know, one of the first things I talk about is safety. If you ever wheel with me and we have to pull line or we have to get a, a, a toe strap out or something like that, I'll be the first one to take charge and say, everybody, clear the path. No one gets to be in line. No one gets to be in that way to be able to have something like that happen. And I think that's kind of where my feeling was. I saw everybody else on different Facebook groups trying to make a lesson out of it. Hey, we don't do this or this is what we do. And I thought, you know what? The people that listen to the show who may be newer, who got all this great equipment, you got to learn to use it. Please, please do not just strap it up because you saw somebody do something on YouTube. This is just one of those situations that I wanted to at least pass that along to help somebody to not have to go through this horrible situation. 
there's a couple different things going on right here. So a toe, a, a drop hitch cannot handle the sheer weight or a no. sheer force of Correct. an instantaneous hit. Because, I mean, you're, when, you, when you leave your trailer or your truck or the house or the mobile home or whatever the hell you're pulling isn't at a 15-foot tether and instantaneously getting hit. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's why it's a terrible, terrible idea. And one of the very first things that I was taught, and I'm talking, I was 8, 7, 9, 10, 15, I don't know. But it was a very long time ago, and we didn't have the recovery gear that's available now. The stuff that they have now, yeah. absolutely, that's what you need to use. All we had was chain. And what Grandpa taught us, this was now not even my father, but my grandfather, is one, you don't snatch. You, you, don't, you don't hit that chain at the end because this stuff happened. You never did that. And yeah. any time that you tethered two vehicles together, you would step it off, go to the middle, and you would tie a sweatshirt or a coat because just that amount of weight that is in the middle when it did snap because it did happen, that chain cannot then go all the way. It could say 100%. It could only ricochet 50%. So it only hit the front of or the back of the vehicle. It would never go into the cab. And I still do that today. And we have nice recovery gear. But if you're ever out with me and you need to recover, you will, with me, you will watch me. I will take the sweatshirt out from underneath my driver's seat and I'll tie mm -hmm. it midway. And y you can go on to any kind of physics class, anything that you want. And you can, y you can call in and tell me that I'm wrong. But if you, even a simple, large sweatshirt could, could have stopped this. Yeah, in the middle. Now, nowadays, I, I would never say go and get a chain and start snatching full-size vehicles out. But don't, no. don't do that. But, you know, I'm talking back in the 80s when we didn't have the recovery gear that they have now. That was the technology that we used back then. Um, it, it, this is incredibly tragic. It could have easily been avoided by just just some simple, simple things. And it's it's very upsetting. And I, I, I really wish that we could go out and teach everybody. I mean, I, I, now that I'm a, a part of the show and I'm actually seeing a lot of this stuff... What a great life that I had as a child. I didn't know the plethora of information that was given to me by, you know, generational jeepers. And it's sad to watch this because it's got like, damn it, man, this could have been avoided. Really, it could have. Yeah. There's, there's one thing I, I want to, uh, I just want to touch on really quick. Tony, you mentioned something about a class five hitch. Uh -huh. uh, I don't know if one of those was even involved in this. In the pictures that we have in the show notes, that is definitely a class three hitch yeah. uh, at, well, at best. Yeah, that's, that's uh, just what I looked up. I got the feeling that it probably, I mean, it's a commercial class five. So I figured that was even heavier duty. Oh so. yeah, and a class five hitch is going to have a, an over under. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna have a double receiver essentially uh, on on a class five, um, and it's the the structure of it's a class the size five hitch receiver. Yeah, it yeah. looks differently uh, as as well. Um, and you mentioned that you know the load on it. This you know, is more around like twenty one thousand pounds or something like that is what that's rated for. Eighteen that's to just a static. That's just a static load. Right. That's that's what that hitch is capable of holding before it gets ripped off of the vehicle. Um, and so that's not including things like shear forces or like what Chuck was talking about with, you know, 15 feet of chain before all of a sudden that slack is, is, you know, taken up and, and it's, it's that, you know, that good old fashioned yank is what they're, you know, they're talking about there. Um, and, and it's just, you know, 
you start adding up and, and, and multiplying by factors the, the forces that are involved in, in this sort of thing, especially when you start looking at the geometry of, of a drop hitch and, and, and getting into, you know, the multiplication of shear forces when you, you, know, you, you have these angles and, and, you know, things are at a different, a different plane. There's no collinearity between um, the two vehicles and, and the pulling points and things like that. I mean, there's just so many red flags on this. I just, I keep wanting to list everything that, the, that you know, went wrong or they didn't do right. And that's not the way to go down this, but I had to at least kind of touch on the, you know, the class five versus the class three, the static load versus the the shear force and the and the pull load and, and things like that. Well, I so. figured the class five would be uh, a good just to show you this is a commercial uh, winch, and uh, I'm I keep saying winch, a commercial hitch, and it even it, and it's not even the thirty thousand pounds that you get from a strap. So, uh, yeah, it just, it's just a bad idea. And, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong on this. I've, I've actually, uh, anytime somebody says, where can I get a chain to go on my Jeep? Because they want to wrap it around the front bumper, you know, like, like people used to. Mm-hmm. I, I, I tell them, chains, unless you're just putting it on there for, for uh, a, 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 you know, something to look at, I wouldn't use a chain. Is that correct, that you should not use chains for any uh, pulling in? I mean, I guess worst case, you you could, but uh, I would say not at all, really. Yeah. I was going to say, you haul equipment. I I would imagine that you use chains for tie-down purposes. Am I I wrong? Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, I have to use ratcheting binders and big, you know, five-eighths chain, half-inch. But but that's different. Right. You bet. I got... And so I'm sure there's people that think it's like, oh, well, look we at that, you know, that big earth mover on that, on, on the back of that semi. And that thing's being held down, you know, on freeway speeds by a chain. So that's, you know, that same chain would be good enough to, to use as a tow rope, right? No, <laughs> nope. no, no, not, not, not so much. Yeah, yeah. No to I chains. Mean, techni- Josh, Josh, technically my chains on my semi are going 80 miles an hour. I mean, Hello. Yeah, <laughs> of course they're going the same speed as the load, but yeah, I as an old school guy, chain was the technology that we had in the eighties and nineties, right? And the technology is now null and void. Yeah, correct. Don't use yeah. a chain. There's yeah. no, there's no reason to not you say, can, not you say can anything. Go down to Lowe's, you can go down to Lowe's at Home Depot and buy them for thirty dollars. It's literally cheaper to buy the pro- proper stuff. Just go and get a damn strap from Home Depot, and that would be better than a chain. Yeah. And, and gosh, I'm not picking on you guys using chains, but I'm just saying nowadays, the chains are just, no, don't do it because it's dangerous, and a chain can fly apart just as easily as, uh, yeah. or more easily than some of this other stuff can. So. Well, yeah, and, and every link I, of that chain, there's going to be a weak point. Right. So it's it's definitely a no. But so you I, know, was, next, I, was, I was hauling a 4520. I want to say about four or five years ago, 4520 is a John Deere tractor, and it had some uh, lo- uh, low air in the duels in the back, and I was hauling a big dually tractor. And as I was driving down the interstate, I actually saw, it was in the middle of the night, of course, because you're not <laughs> supposed to do that. And I actually saw the chain snap. Oh, geez. Wow. Because we were down, up and down, and it broke a half-inch chain. And, I, and I, I saw the spark, and I saw and everything, and I pulled over to the side of the road, and I had a broken chain. And that was a static pull. I mean, that was not a shear force, force pull. It was, I was literally, the thing was on my trailer. I'm driving down the interstate, and the chain broke. So, chains, no. not good to pull other vehicles out with. No. Well, good. 
Still a very well, sad story, but hopefully a lesson yeah. learned to save somebody else's life. That's yeah, thanks for, thanks for bringing this to the show, Wendy. It was a good one. Yeah. Well, do you have a topic or suggestion for yeah, Newbie Nuggets, or do you have a comment on this on the story that I just listed? Well, I'd love to hear from you. You can also check out our YouTube channel at Trails411 for great content with lots of tips, tricks, and techniques. Gladiator. My name is Gladiator. Gladiators. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Gladiator. So many of us work on our Jeeps in our garage or driveway. You know, we don't have access to a lift, so jacks, jack stands, etc. are used. I've seen people on social media with all four, wheel, four wheels and tires off the Jeep floating in the air under four jack stands. What happens if your Jeep comes down? Will you have time to get out of the way? Chuck, you you work on your Jeep quite often. <laughs> what do you do, oh, if anything, to give yeah. yourself a fighting chance at surviving this situation? Do you ever have it lifted up on just jack stands? I mean, you can just nope. have it on the front. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yes. Oh, God, yes. And I always tell my son, hey, get underneath there and go fix that with you. <laughs> yeah, I just tell, tell my son, nope. Josh, just get underneath there, fix the brakes. It's fine. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I do this all the time. Um, but I'm very, uh, I take my spare tires and I put them underneath the Jeep as well. Mm -hmm. So it gives me a fighting chance. If something does happen, uh, I have had a Jeep fall on me. Uh, I had, Ah, um, that explains uh, it. I was probably 19 years old. Yeah. I was probably 19 (laughs) years old. I had a 59 (laughs) Willys CJ five, which is a short fender CJ five. And, uh, uh, something happened and the jack stand fell. I was a child being stupid. And it, uh, the weight of the Jeep came down on my my hand. Yep. And my buddies all laughed at me as I was pinned underneath the Jeep. And it took them a while to get <laughs> oh, me off. Oh, oh, oh. And that's the truth. Well, nice buddies. And I was screaming when friends get hurt. hurt. <laughs> yeah, I was nice screaming buddies. bloody murder. Get this effing thing off me. And they could, they could not stop laughing as my, my legs and everything were flopping around. And it was pinned underneath my right hand. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have any permanent damage from it? No, no. Good, no. good, good. So, nope. so, uh, so now I, I, I learned, I learned that the tires underneath there, you know, that's what I do. I put tires underneath it too. Yep. So Josh, uh, do, do you do anything similar when you're working on yours or do you do something, di- something different? Generally, I go by the rule of thumb that you don't have all four off at the same time. Um, but I, obviously there are times and, and places like if you're doing like a, a tire rotation, but even then you should only be working on one side. Uh, unless you have directional uh, uh, directional tread on your on your tires and you got to go, you know, um, uh, you know, corner to corner. Or, you know, I mean, you got to do uh, side to side if you have directional. Otherwise, you know, corner to corner type of thing. Um, but you know, I usually just do the tire underneath the frame rail uh, type of thing. Now. Obviously, I also leave the jack in place. Sure. Uh, jack stands in place, yes. Uh, vehicle weight held on the jack stand and like a quarter pump of force on the jack. So yep. there's just a, not even a static load on it. It's just there. But you, but and, you and do it, not rely on the hydraulic jack to hold nope. the vehicle up. No. Nope. Correct? Not generally. Not by itself is what I'm saying. No, not unless it's something where it's like all I've got to do is tighten a grease zerk really quick or something like that. I mean, if if all I'm going to be doing is, um, 
I'm trying to think of something where I take the tire off and, and I'm doing something really quick. Uh, maybe even something as simple as like a brake job uh, or something like that. I, I may not uh, even use a jack stand for that because I've got one corner up. I'm not underneath the vehicle. There will not be any part of me that goes underneath the vehicle. Uh, I'm going to be working above the center line typically of the, uh, of the axle. Uh, so even if the vehicle does come down... Uh, I'm going to be in the wheel well portion of it. Yes, there's still a risk for injury, but not fatality. I, I would uh, say if there's a risk for injury, take the time, put a jack stand in there. Do not rely on a hydraulic jack to keep the weight of the axle, the Jeep, whatever off. And, and you, Josh, you can do whatever you want to do. I'm not saying that you're doing it wrong. Well, I think we've all been there, but I'm just telling the audience, d take that extra moment to be safe think it through i'll give you for example and i think about this from time to time like i'm just doing a brake job and i've just got one wheel off and uh, you know like the front it's just real simple to get in there and change out those discs uh the whole thing is is really quick so i'll think about my foot and leg placement as i'm sitting there is the axle right uh, is it right over my leg if something was to it fall yeah, if something was to fall in immediately, would You're working it, with the hub in your lap? I mean, <laughs> well, let me finish what I'm saying here. If something was to fall immediately, would those studs grab my hit my knee, my my shin? Is something going to happen if this falls? Because it's always possible you know you're working you're thinking you're not thinking about what you have uh, uh <laughs> protruding under that uh that wheel hub so if you have any way of putting something in there that is not adjustable it's going to stay where it is put those pins in the in the the jack stand so it'll hold it in place and don't think that that jack stand won't won't flop over won't move i love those pictures that you put into the show notes which we'll include in the, the jeep talk show show notes where people are are levitating their jeep uh three feet in the air on these uh really big jack stands that's just amazing well, to me i mean the 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 first picture in the upper left hand corner it's a picture of a blue yj up on uh -huh. uh, up on jack stands now he's got probably close to a foot of shoring blocks uh underneath those underneath those big jack <laughs> You're stands. right and those jack stands are are all the way up perfect so i mean there's there's definitely <laughs> some red flags there that that i would be worried about you know and there's like uh, the picture right below that the red xj um that's in the lower left corner where uh, has clearly tipped off of its jack stand sideways yes. and almost went into another jeep same kind of same kind of an issue it looks like there's even some wood down there that maybe they had uh underneath the jack stand or something like that sideways force wasn't planning on it. That jack stand probably wasn't uh, seated properly on the ground when they dropped the vehicle weight on it. It was actually probably teetering on, exactly. on one, or two, one or two legs. And then they started doing some work on the vehicle, and here you go. Um, and, but you can see, even in the upper upper right-hand corner, uh, you, we see a picture of a very well-modified XJ on a, on a lift inside of a mechanic shop where things have gone wrong, and that vehicle has fallen off the lift. Don't think for just a second that there is any one right way to lift up a vehicle off the ground that isn't risky, mm. that doesn't have some degree of risk. Yep. Even if you have a lift, the vehicle can fall off. I mean, you do a Google image search for vehicles falling off of lifts, and you'll be blown away by some of the horrific images that you will see by a vehicle on a on a very commercial, very safe, considering oh, people lift. wearing uniforms like they they do this for a living. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the vehicle is upside down in the corner of the shop. You know, it, it's it's it it can happen. So regardless of whether you even do have a lift in your own shop or garage or driveway or whatever, or access to one, it's not yeah. the end all be all of things. 
jack stands and jacks a lot of the times are can actually be more safe if used properly right so uh yeah and, and what chuck said initially is exactly the point i wanted to make here you have a wheel and you have a tire slide if it's off slide it under the jeep close to where you're going to be you still need room to work obviously but give yourself a chance to be able to get out from underneath that vehicle when it comes down because i guarantee you gravity is a bitch and it's going to be faster than you can move out of there no matter how yeah. how young or how fast you are so i told a story i don't know what was it about a year or two ago uh working on a on a buddy's jeep he had some driveline stuff that he was uh that he was uh, having some issues with and he had taken his front drive line in to have it balanced or something like that. And what we were doing was, uh, I think we were swapping out his rear drive line for something else. He had some vibration issues we were trying to do some troubleshooting on. I either I didn't know, I didn't remember, I had forgotten, I wasn't paying attention. I don't remember exactly because it was a couple of years ago, but the front drive shaft wasn't in the vehicle. And, and so as we were working on his Jeep in my slightly tilted driveway, uh, we took off the rear drive line in his automatic and the Jeep started rolling down the driveway with us <laughs> underneath. Of I was oh yeah, jackass, uh, because you know, once you take the transmission out of the equation, there's nothing holding that Jeep in place. Uh, and so the Jeep went, we, we didn't have the vehicle, the vehicle chalked. I mean, it was just a that, complete, oh, that's a good point. And that's the other thing I want to mention is get you some chocks and always chalk the wheels don't on the use a two by four for f's no, sake no oh no. come a on proper proper chocks <laughs> yeah go just harbor freight it's like seven bucks big huge rubber triangle get those yep why did you become a paid subscriber to the jeep talk show i love the show i've listened to you guys free for how many years now and i figured i'd time to give back you can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love the jeep talk show it'll just uh, help help the show out and and then in the end it'll be jeep talk show in my ear holes you know just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button it'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on because if they love the show then why shouldn't you why shouldn't you give back just a little bit attention all rat bastards that's uh, people like you that are listening for free uh it's time for you to give back go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and become a paid subscriber today from the mind of nikki g hey this is nikki g and uh you guys talked about the guy who got arrested for sticking a lit road flare in the fuel tank Oh, a Jeep Compass. I knew he shouldn't have listened uh, to that. Come on. Did he really get arrested? Setting a Jeep Compass on fire is hardly a crime. <laughs> Matter of fact, it's encouraged in 30 other states. Antonio, I got a great suggestion for you to tell if your uh, Jeep Gladiator, what gear it's in. Uh, if things are getting bigger, then you're in drive. If they're getting smaller, then you're in reverse. But that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling to tell you, if I had a dollar for every girl who found me unattractive, they would eventually find me attractive by now. <laughs> yeah, you got to think that's on that one. one. No. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. And you have a good one. Bye. Got it right away. That's a, that's that, a good one. That was good, Jim. Yeah, that was, that was good. You're listening to Jeep Talk Show, the number one Jeep podcast. At my mom's house.
Hey, coming up on our next uh, interview episode, which is uh, Thuy's Day, uh, it is going to be August the 11th. Go ahead, Josh. I know you got to get it out of uh, out of Thuy's Day. There you go. Day. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be uh, Andy with Glue Tread. Have you ever t- uh, tore open a sidewall on your tire and needed a way to get back home without using every <laughs> tire plug in your kit? Well, you can get Glue Plug. Uh, I'm sorry, glue tread and plug that uh, that sidewall. Uh, you, you don't don't want to drive it home, but well, you'll hear the interview. You can, but don't do it. <laughs> so that's going to be our next interview coming up very very soon. Good morning. My name's Skip. I was listening to episode six thirty eight. You guys are talking about throttle control cables and Jeeps. I have a nineteen fifty five M thirty eight A one. They come standard with the throttle cable. Uh, this is nothing new on the, on the older Jeeps. That's what amazes me about all these new Jeeps. They've got all these options that were standard things on the old 40s and 50 Jeeps, and all of a sudden it's something new now, such as the uh, drain holes in the floor. That was something standard on the older Jeeps, and all of a sudden now it's a new thing to have. Anyhow... Um, that's all I got. Thank you. Does anybody have a state where it's illegal to have hand throttles? Uh, for some reason, I'm thinking Texas is, it's illegal to have that. No, I think you're probably thinking of like the, uh, the steering wheel knob. The little something. knob. I know that, that I was thinking about that too. I know that one is illegal, but I was thinking the hand throttle was too, you know, unless you're, uh, a, a paraplegic and you need that for, uh, controlling the vehicle. Um, but, uh, I, I guess it'd be all right for blind people driving though. Yeah, it's frowned upon to use your hand throttle on the interstate, right? I mean, my Jeeps all have them because, of course, we have real Jeeps. And they just came come with them. Right. Oh, but, you know, like, I, I <laughs> got them. But, uh, you know, I, I, I tell Josh, like, hey, when you're driving your 46, which has one in the dash, right, which is exactly what Skip's talking about, it's the same thing because he had the... Uh, L-head modal motor and the, the sun has the F-head or back and forth L-head and F-head or whatever. It's the same. One has an overhead cam and the other one doesn't. But it's just for off-roading or just to get the motor up to temperature in the cold weather, right? You're not mm. you're not going to like set like a motorcycle and then go 80 miles an hour down the interstate, right? <laughs> but Skip is 100% right. Skip, you need to call back more because <laughs> I need to know. I'm not the only one looks at this thing and goes, they've been doing that since the 60s or since the 50s, right? Please, Skip, call back. I need you. Well, the last one I saw was on a 1982 uh, Piper Archer, and uh, that's how you throttle the engine up and down. So I am familiar. What the hell is Archer? It's an airplane. Airplane, yeah, <laughs> and that's how you how you throttled the engine on the uh, the aircraft. So there you and go. that's and that's a whole nother show, folks. Yeah, so. yeah. There go. <laughs> over my, I can't afford shit like you, Tony. Sorry, <laughs> I can't either. That's that was hey. years ago. Hey, speaking of other shows, you know we we do uh, four shows a week now, and another show that you can actually be a part of if you want to join in on the fun is our Tuesday roundtable episodes, where we invite you, the Jeep Talk Show listeners, to join us around the world's biggest Jeep roundtable as we record an episode live with you, the listener. That's right, every Tuesday. At uh, 8 p.m. Central Time, we're going to go ahead and record an episode. We open up the Zoom room to anybody that wants to join. It could be you, could be your buddy, could be your friend. How about your mom? Absolutely. Everybody's oh. welcome. 
I'd love to get mom on. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, she's mom got some stories to tell about you, doesn't she? Get the Ouija so, board Pat, out. Uh, go ahead and mark the date. And, uh, and join us next Tuesday and every Tuesday for the Jeep Talk Show Roundtable episodes. How can you join in? Well, the best way to find out how is to join our newsletter, where it's chock full of all kinds of information about what we have going on the show, who we're talking to, what we're giving away, when we're doing it, what's coming up, and all that good stuff, as well as the links and information that you need to join in on our Tuesday Roundtable episodes. It's the Jeep Talk Show newsletter and the Jeep Talk Show Roundtable episodes. Coming out every Tuesday, and of course, the, the newsletter comes out once a week directly from us for nobody else. You know, I'm thinking about a new episode for our Monday show. Uh, taught we uh, let, Let's see, help me here. Uh, talk to Chuck's mom. We would have Chuck's <laughs> mom on, and she could tell us no, this colorful stories story. of I, Chuck and his uh, upbringing. <laughs> every time weekly mom, segment. mom, Pat, and I get together... <laughs> Some of the crap that comes out of those two's mouth, you're like, you did this shit? And they're just laughing. Do you remember? Blah, blah, blah. And they oh, remember this is a good idea. So bad. <laughs> you're like, that would be, you guys would go straight to jail if you did that yeah. shit nowadays. <laughs> uh, it, it's great because it wasn't a woke community. Everyone just could get made fun of. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're, they were telling a story about one time on a Midnight Rubicon, there was a, another gentleman by the name of Willie, I won't say his last name, but Willie was a great guy, he had a wonderful short fender uh, CJ5, and the Dirty Dozen Jeep Club, which is an amazing Jeep Club in Northern California, you know, if you can ever hook up with those guys, do it, they took an entire like 50 pound bag of potatoes and stuffed them all over his Jeep, and you think <laughs> that's not that big a deal, so, until it's a year later, and he oh, is smelling no. rotten potatoes all over his Jeep. And he's like, you sons of bitches. You know, they're just going through and he's finding them underneath the seat and the wheel well, motor compartment, everywhere. And it was just good old-fashioned fun, you know. And that's the kind of crap that, that, that I grew up with. These guys would just screw with each other all the time. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> good times. Good times. Good Well, Jeeper, looks like this episode of the Jeep Talk Show has run out of gas, but we'll top you off with another episode in just a couple days. Until then, be sure to stop by one or all of our many social media pages and leave a comment. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Oh, and remember, kids, if your dad can't wheel a Jeep, then you probably have two moms. (laughs) Oh, boy. I love it. (laughs) Podcasting since 2010.